This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to Kelly and Rumya. It's the Thursday edition of the show. We are in Friday, Junior. Yesterday, we talked to Corinne Van Dusen on our bi-weekly entertainment report and it was a good time but every time she comes on on a Wednesday it definitely throws me off because for the last six years that I've known her she has been saying Friday Junior on Thursday afternoons especially when her and I were on late edition together that was a show that used to come on 4 p.m. on AMI-audio that was a really good time. Lots of entertainment talk between her and I. And anyways, you might have heard of Friday Junior in other contexts, but for me, it will always be synonymous with Corinne Van Dusen. So she's not here right now, but happy Friday Junior. Kelly's not here right now either. We're working on getting him back in. But in the meantime, I wanted to ask him, guess I'll just give you my own thoughts now, about vacation and travel plans. Uh, it's because it's cold outside. Really, there's no other reason. I mean, I guess the holiday times are coming, but if you're looking into traveling and planning travel now for the upcoming holiday season, it feels a little bit like you're too late. I'm sure that things are skyrocketing. One of my friends in October was looking at December winter traveling plans right over the winter holidays, and it just is absolutely impossible to find anything I guess in your budget or in what you thought would be your budget. And uh, I'm only assuming it's getting worse. Now, if you're thinking of driving out or maybe just local flights and tickets for quick purchases, quick one hour, two hour, three hours away from where you are and not necessarily to those gorgeous sunny destinations, then maybe, maybe that's a possibility. But even then, I'm telling you, I've downloaded Skyscanner, I'm looking at the app, and every day it doesn't seem to be going down, just up. So if you have any more comments on that, then you can uh, please send your tips and tricks of how to get cheap traveling going over the holidays to me, because I am looking. Kelly and Rumi at AMI.ca. This is not a joke. Let's find out what's coming up on today's show. Here's what we got planned in the next two hours. We got Chef Mary Mamaliti joining us, and she's going to share some creative ways to repurpose leftovers and save money. Also, reducing food waste, of course. If you're not a fan of your current leftovers, then wait till you see what she's got planned. Also, on our accessible gaming segment with Market McCracken, he's going to tell us about a family-friendly game that's dedicated to kids, your family. Uh, he's had a lot of Fun with it, he says, and we'll also talk about the accessibility behind the game. Plus, weekly roundtable time. If Kelly is back with us by that time, we will be chatting with Vice President for uh, Content and Development at AMI-TV and AMI-Audio. That's John Melville, and he's going to be joining us to flip through some things that we found interesting topics, but also some conversation around the network. Okay, 
I talked about holiday travel. Let's talk about holiday jobs. Indeed is reporting Canadian postings for seasonal holiday jobs are down by 30% from a year ago in a softening economy and cooling labour market. Indeed, senior economist Brandon Bernard says the slowdown in holiday job openings is likely due to the cooling macroeconomic environment as well as industry-specific trends like e-commerce and remote work. of employer hiring appetite over the past year. And uh, it's pretty similar in seasonal work and other areas of the economy as well. Um, Bernard says the shifting balance may be good news for employers, but it's also a symptom of a slowing economy. Now, I don't know what a macroeconomic environment is, but I do think that there is a lot going on here. Now, obviously, when we're thinking about holiday jobs, something that we now deem to be a necessity because who doesn't need their deliveries? Who doesn't need their um, companies to be doing bigger and better during the holidays. There's just so much, right, when we're thinking brick and mortars and malls, but also thinking deliveries like Amazon and every other place. Um, it is necessary to think of this part of the year as something very specific and planning on it from a while back, making sure that you got all your ducks in a row to make sure that it it can go through, that you can survive what is happening during the holidays with your business, with your company, with your products. But unfortunately, as I said, with the e-commerce and um, every other kind of online work and such, people, the people that you need to hire are elsewhere. They're not necessarily looking for jobs the way that they were two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And so it is a struggle to hire. And when you say 30% down, that's a significant amount of people who said, I will be busy elsewhere and don't have the priority for this kind of work that I did last time. And I'm wondering if this is an upward trend. It didn't say in this particular clip, but I wonder if that's an upward trend in the last two years or so especially post-pandemic, because we had a huge surge of um, must-needs during the pandemic. But now following that, the trickle effect in the last three years or so afterwards, I wonder if it's going to be any better or if we have to look at things differently altogether around the season of the holidays. I'll end it there. We're going to take a break and come back to talk to Mike Fair. He's our uh, regular Thursday weekly contributor. And today we're talking about Apple's new AirPods, the changes that are coming our way with the AirPods, and whether or not we like the idea of those changes. We'll be right back. This is Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Welcome back, and thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, it's just me right now. I'm Ramya Amadin. It's feeling kind of lonely. It's usually a co-hosted show. It's called Kelly and Ramya. Kelly is uh, in the wings. He's going to be back soon, hopefully. In the meantime, though, we are going to get to some fun stuff, um, at least fun for me, because I love talking tech. Let's bring on Michael Fair.
Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Mike, it's because I said technology. I was Jeff definitely going to say Michael Babcock, but you are Michael Fair, and you're here on a Thursday. It's not your fault. It's me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Consistency. All right. So amidst all of the Halloween fun, you celebrated your birthday. Happy birthday to you. And you received <laughs> a second generation AirPod Pro from Apple. Is this true? Yeah, I basically uh, used my birthday money to finance <laughs> that. They are uh, about $300 and $329, so they're yeah. not the cheapest thing on the planet. They're pretty hefty, uh, I know. And <laughs> you've put them through the usual range of tests. You came at it with a bit of a different angle, though, so we'll find out more about that. Um, before we get to your kind of review of it all, what benefits do AirPod Pros offer the average user, Mike? So basically, these are Apple's latest uh, high-end AirPod uh uh, basically earbuds that are really designed primarily for people who are using iPhones and Apple devices. You can use it with Android, but it, you lose some of the benefits uh, in terms of just easy connectivity. They're really easy to just get going, get paired. Uh, they are they seal the ear, uh, They have and, and so you get the passive noise cancellation. Then you also get active noise cancellation and transparency mode. So this, this cancels noise around you or it lets you hear stuff uh, in your environment, or there's active adaptive audio mode, which kind of combines both, and it uses machine learning to uh, basically analyze the sound about 48,000 times a second mm. and uses that information. It's looking inside your ear at what you're hearing and outside it, the environment, and it will use that to either let you hear what's around you or cancel it out, and uh, so it's, it's very effective at that. Uh, are any of these modes new to second gen that we didn't have uh, on AirPod Pro the first gen, aka the ones I have? Uh, the, yeah, the uh, the uh, interact adaptive audio mode okay. is new. Uh, that's the the big uh, new one here uh, for that, and that's combining the two: the transparency and the noise cancellation for a kind of a third. Right. Very adaptive option. And, of course, you get now USB-C in the case. The case has really been upgraded as well. Okay. Yeah, because before the adaptive um, sound mode, we just had, like, transparency mode, noise cancellation, or just neither, like no activation yes. of some sort. So this adaptive mode sounds really cool as a an in-between. Can this be used in conjunction with hearing aids, Mike? The problem there is these need to seal your ear canal to really uh, be effective. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a soft seal. And uh, unfortunately, if you're using in-ear hearing aids, uh, you know, either the ones that, that are totally in your ear or the ones that, that are, have our open-ear design, uh, they need at least some space in the ear. So you cannot have something that needs a complete seal and hearing aids at the same time. Uh, so normally I use regular ear pods like I'm doing now, mm. and I can wear them over my hearing aids. Uh, now, uh, of course, my hearing aid is broken, so uh, while I'm waiting for that to be repaired, uh, these are coming in very handy in various ways. Um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, you really buy these with the thought that you're using them exclusively in your ears. There shouldn't be anything else like hearing aids in there because right. it's, it's not just the, the seal, it's, it's the wire. You want to be careful about the wires that hearing aids have and not to put pressure on them as well. 
So I guess if you are hard of hearing, you'd want to kind of check to see if these are actually helpful for you uh, without yes. hearing aids, right? Exactly, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, how about the batteries? Let's talk about how long they last. So batteries, uh, Apple's given you six hours in each, you know, like a fully charged AirPod will last that long by itself. And then in the case, uh, the case has a further 30 hours of battery length in that. So that'll almost get you through a two-day weekend. It's getting up That's into good. that territory. Yeah. The only thing to keep in mind is the more uh, active features, all that analysis and stuff, if you're using the noise cancellation and things, uh, it will chew up more battery. So you're not going to get that full time if you're using more of the advanced features. But if you're going with like the offsetting with all the noise stuff off mm. and uh, just going by pat the cancellation caused by the ceiling of your ears, then you're going to get the full six hours plus, you know, the full 30. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a pretty good battery life. Sounds good. Can you give us a, I always think of, by the way, with the battery life, the way that I think about it is, can it last a, an entire plane ride? Or am I going to lose my AirPods in the middle of a plane ride and have to carry backups? Like this is the part that yeah, annoys the heck out of me. This will get you through a plane ride, no yeah, problem. At least a <laughs> yeah. six hour, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, give, us a a, give us a sense of the case and what it feels like, um, because some people who may not have used AirPods don't have an idea. So the case is rectangular. It's longer than uh, regular AirPods. It, it's kind of uh, farther out to the sides and shorter. Uh, and then the edges are rounder. So imagine a rectangle with rounded edge sides all over. Uh, the only flat parts are the back and the front. Everything else is, is curved. And uh, on the, at the top, along the top front, there's an indented line. It's sort of barely there. You, you can use it as kind of a catch to lift up the lid. It's a magnetic sealing lid that, that snaps closed very satisfactorily. It's kind of fun. And uh, it, it rises on hinges. On the back, there is a very slightly indented button. That's a little circle on the back, and that's a button that you can use to pair and reset your AirPods and change between connectivity modes. So that's on the very back. On the left side of the case, there's a lanyard uh, installation point. So uh, it feels like a couple of tiny little holes. Uh, and then on the bottom of the case, you have a USB-C port and a tiny speaker on the bottom right. Mm. Uh, it feels like a little scratch, but it's actually uh, a speaker. So uh, that lets it make little noises to help you locate it if it's lost or inform you when it's charging and things like that. The... Um charging does it beep now when you plug your airpods yeah. in okay it's it's a slight ding yeah okay that's great because that actually wasn't available for the first gen airpod pros yeah mm. yeah it's a nice little addition and how about because a lot of our comparison today is for airpods versus airpods pro second gen right so what about the airpods themselves are they shaped differently than the originals they're a a little different because like the normal AirPods, the stocks point straight down off the hearing, uh, off the bottom of the, uh, of the pods. These are angled forward and sort of inward. So they line up more with your mouth. And uh, so that's kind of nice. And they also have little flat parts on the fronts of the stems and you can swipe your fingers over them to control the volume and you can squeeze the stem. So like uh, squeeze will pause and resume, get mm. phone calls. Two squeezes will jump tracks. Uh, three squeezes will jump backwards. And then you can decide whether squeeze and hold on each AirPod. Uh, does it change noise uh, control modes or does it summon Siri? There's a couple choices there. 
So there's a lot of control in those stems. And they're shorter than, than uh, the regular AirPod stems by a little bit. I, I certainly have noticed that. So that's essentially what these are are like. Uh, and then uh, the, the, on the front end is where the seal is. So on previous Air, original AirPods Pro, this, the, the uh, little bubble kind of seal went into your ear canal. Yep. But this, this one is in, off the front and angled inward. So it kind of seals against the front and top and bottom of that ear canal and relies on the back of the headphone to sort of complete the seal on the back. So Is that strange uh, feeling? Does that feel strange than it, usual uh, earplugs? Well, I've never had the first generation pros, mm. but for me, it, it's different because, you know, I'm used to thinking of things like that as that seal the ear as hearing aids. And this is not, this is, these are not hearing ah. aids. So it's a bit different, but it's the same kind of seal. And uh, it really does even passively provide quite a lot of isolation. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, do you, for the, what did you call it? Squeezing, right? The single squeeze, double squeeze for the stems. Is there an actual click, like a button or not really? Do you get it's, any feedback? It's kind of, yeah, you feel a tiny bit. Okay, like good. It's, it's, it's like those, those slight clicky buttons, but right. yeah, very, very kind of soft. It's not a sharp feel. Right? No. So, but you, you do have that feedback. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I was just comparing to the AirPod Pro first gen. Um, how about the weight of the AirPods? I know that they're, they're light because I dropped the, them off and I have yeah. to call Ira to figure it out. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, 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 the case does have a bit of weight to it, mm -hmm. enough to sort of settles in your pocket nicely. It's not going to pop out you know, on you. Uh, despite how slippery it, it is, so it'll it definitely stay in your pocket. Has and I think that's the battery capacity giving you that weight there. But the AirPods themselves, you'll forget like they're in your ears after a while. They're that light. It's very very light, and especially with transparency mode on, it sounds very open. Oh and god, it, yeah. And it kind of increases that illusion that you're not wearing any <laughs> any earpods. It's so, very true. Yeah. They are yeah. quite comfortable, I will say, and I've been, you know, an earphone user for a really long time. I mean, granted, they're wireless, so if you don't have a lot of other wireless experience, you might think, like, automatically it feels much lighter, but uh, they do feel weightless. How has it improved your listening experience to have these AirPod Pros? These have, have really been surprising, especially given my hearing loss. I wasn't sure how much to expect, but the, the cancellation really helped uh, me pay attention and notice things more that could uh, because it directs it so at your ear uh, with because of how it's sealed that I noticed details like bubbles in a soundscape of a calm island in the calm app where you get waves and water flow. I hear a bunch of bubbles that I haven't noticed before. And I checked out things like Lord of the Rings, right? Those movies, again, lots more detail than I was ever conscious of uh, listening to it before. So it does help in those ways. And then of course the transparency mode means that I can actually hear my wife ask me something and not have, have you know she doesn't have to repeat herself so many times uh with these in because i can amplify that and amplify the environment and, and sort of compensate at least a little for my hearing loss uh, mm -hmm. until i get my hearing aids back and that has been really really helpful so yeah they're uh, in a bunch of ways if if you don't if you're going through time when you don't need hearing aids you can just wear them yeah they, they will help you in a bunch of, of these little ways that uh, that are very surprising for me i've been delighted with them
Right. And let's talk about these modes in a bit more detail, Mike. If you don't, we only have a couple of minutes, but can we talk about the transparency mode yeah. first? Because I'm I'm really curious. I find the transparency mode excellent because, you know, in the blind low vision community specifically, nobody feels comfortable just having a sound isolation. Yes. And walk around the <laughs> streets. Right, exactly. So uh, you're not trying to walk yeah. around the streets or even sit on a bus or a train, no matter how familiar you are, and uh, have no noise cancellation completely because you feel extremely uh, isolated, right? And so to yeah, have transparency mode is so important. It's, yeah, and it's really helpful, especially when you can amplify that. I'll talk a bit more about that next week uh, with how I handle that. But, mm -hmm. with, you know, it does provide enough that you, 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 know, you can hear participate in conversation around you. Yeah. I would still hesitate to cross streets with these if you're using sound, you know, to navigate. But in quiet, safe spots, it does give you enough directional sense even so i can tell where mm. someone's speaking from or hear my steps echo off you know if i'm in a quiet place yeah uh, they can fall out of your ears though uh if you're not as careful so that's one thing to keep in mind uh and you know, they do play a sound uh if it, you can get the find my app to make them play a sound um so but if you're in too noisy in a, a place that's not going to be as helpful so just be careful where you use them um and uh you know things like that so yeah, these modes, active, uh, uh, the active audio mode will try and adjust. If there's not much noise in the environment, it'll behave like transparency mode. But then if, if a loud you know, noise comes on, it will try and, and cancel that noise while still letting you hear the quieter stuff in the environment. Yeah, like if a, an ambulance the, passes by or something. I really exactly. appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that is really, I think, for especially people with normal hearing, hearing are really going to benefit from this. Uh, you know, I, I tend to, to not use it because I, the last thing I want is noise to be canceled. Uh, the other thing is with these modes, there is a kind of cutoff uh, where uh, if no, ambient noise gets too loud, it will shut down. Like you won't hear the environment until the noise passes. Yes, which yes. can be a problem if you're, especially if you're navigating with hearing. Yeah. So a couple of, I'll go into more details on that in the next part uh, when I talk about how I've used these as kind of stand-in sort of backup for, for hearing aids until I get my actual ones back. Uh, it's helpful, but d don't think of these as replacement hearing aids. But boy, no. has it... Uh... It, it's certainly it's kind of a go-between, right? Or it feels like they've used features yeah. and aspects of hearing aids for things like transparency mode for sure uh, to, to give people yeah. that kind of benefit along with. Awesome, Michael. Thank you so much. And yeah, we'll look forward to next week and more conversation then. Absolutely. We'll go further into the, the features these have. It's, okay. uh, you get a lot for those. It doesn't feel like much when you hold it in your hand, but you do <laughs> get uh, a lot in, in these AirPods. Yeah, a lot of improvements as well and just um, niche opportunities and experiences coming through. Then we'll talk to you next week. All righty. Mike Fair joining us on Thursday to talk audio entertainment and tech, and we'll get into part two of these AirPod Pros second gen by Apple next week. You can order them as well uh, with the USB-C case on the Apple website or Apple Store if you have an iPhone. After the break, we're doing uh, What in the World with Grant Hardy, and one of the stories he wants to bring up is a German couple whining the ultimate American wedding experience. I wonder where that went for them. We'll be back to find out more on Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment.
I think the AirPod Pro's second gen is going to get added to my list of uh, Christmas things that Santa is looking into as well, because I want to know what the upgrades really are. Not that there's anything wrong with my current AirPod Pros, but still. Um, but you know what? If I'm going to talk about my tech woes, then I probably need to start with a new computer. I don't want to replace it, but uh, it's so close. It's so close to dying. We're on its last legs. Anyways, I want to do a comparison between my tech life and our next guest tech life. Let's bring on Grant Hardy for What in the World. Do you want to know about the craziest stories news has to offer? Look no further than What in the World with myself, Grant Hardy, where I explore the most preposterous, comical, and mind-boggling stories from all across the globe. Grant, is there anything in your house right now, or on you, I guess, your phone, your headphones, your braille displays, your computer that you know is on its last leg, but you just won't proactively replace it? I would I would not say proactively. I would say more just literally that, that financial cost. But mm. if I could, if I could, because I'm someone who loves technology, I always hear about new exclusive features. Mm. They're fun. I see the benefit. I think it would make a positive change in, in my life. If I could, I would upgrade every time something new came out like 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 Clearly. you i would yeah. you know the 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 new airpods the uh you know the new probably like both a pc and a mac oh. brand new i would love to have oh, okay. uh, just just everything imaginable and i agree i'm just itching for those new airpods if only there's some way i would accidentally accidentally air quotes leave my airpods in like an uber or something yeah but then would it be you that has to buy it or would somebody be like oh grant i'll get you one of those new airpods but it's santa that would get them oh yeah true 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 true. real yeah exactly i just i just need to come up with the right sob story you know (laughs) convince somebody to get me there yes the uber (laughs) might not be the sob story you're looking for but i guess you know trial and error i guess (laughs) <laughs> Grant, it's what in the world? This is where you bring stories to us, where we um, flip through some of the quirkiest things around. Where do you want to start? All right, I'm going to make you wait a little bit for the story I was. Uh, we were teasing. teasing? And we're gonna, right. Yeah, and we're going to start with kind of a sci-fi one. I mean, I, I think it's kind of something we've all maybe heard about or imagined but humans have been mining so many different spaces uh, places right oops i mm-hmm. gave it away the ocean <laughs> you know the whatever uh, like offshore digging stuff up and the next place is going to be outer space and they're saying that it is not just a possibility it's a reality and some companies in canada have already received research grants to begin looking at this uh, so okay, what are we hmm. looking for? So essentially, as we prepare to enter more like deep space, we're going to be visiting the 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 moon again soon. Apparently, there's sort of a a new space station that's like a jump off point to the moon, Mars, and beyond. Whatever. I just hope they have announcements on the spaceships you know where you're going um but no just kidding uh but um essentially one of the priorities is is just mining for stuff that you would need like water 
uh, you know, material, whatever the stuff that you would need in space. So basically like using it as close to the location as possible. However, there's also the goal of mining asteroids for what we call PGEs. Those are things like platinum, um, group, uh, group elements that are needed for the clean energy economy. And apparently we are looking at mining those and bringing them back to earth. Huh? Okay. And, and, and these are what grants that people have, uh, companies have applied for. Like who is yeah. really like, <laughs> here's our money. <laughs> this is what you should spend it on. You know, make your pitch. Yeah. Gee, I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's kind of something that I've, thought is almost inevitable like using space to solve some of our problems but i just again it's one of those things where like i'm not a scientist and i just i don't know like if there's stuff that we're not thinking of that could happen uh fair <laughs> because it's not just the mining aspects it's the process of what they're going to do to go right mm. to get this kind of thing done so yeah i guess you're right it is a we're looking at almost the the end game of this and not just like now where do we go from here <laughs> seems seems interesting though there's one other element that you may be wondering about which okay. is who actually owns stuff in outer space oh are we talking I'm space rights mm, <laughs> i'm sure that if there's actually sentient life forms out there they may have something to say but for now they are to, uh, there there was an agreement between the u.s and the soviet union decades ago non-binding that said that basically nobody can really own anything in space however there have been some different strides lately so the moon agreement made a uh improvement over outer space treaty rights in that quote it allows you to go and explore and appropriate certain things, according appropriate. to a lawyer, professor of law. Yeah, so essentially, it's the Wild West right now. <laughs> you know, there's so much going on here with AI and arts and rights for this, that, and the other, just, you know, with the writer's strike and entertainment. Um, but it's great to kind of flip the switch and be like, yeah, but in space, who owns this and who owns that? And how are we going to get to the bottom of things? This is wild. Does any of this surprise you, Grant? Or like, it, it, not necessarily yeah, even surprise you, but, you know, do you think that this is extremely far-fetched or does it feel like the next best thing? I don't know. I guess in a way it feels like an uh, it's kind of a natural evolution. In a way, I'm actually surprised that we don't have more um, information about space ownership and property rights because I, I know that, for example, like a lot of people think wrongly think that the ocean is kind of a wild west yeah, and that if something it is also. happens it is but i think there are certain there's certain treaties conventions whatever where mm -hmm. for example you know if a, a crime happens on a cruise ship it used to be that it was a little bit difficult to sort of you know punish that but now i think that the ownership the the uh, I guess I'm thinking more laws, though. I guess the ownership. That's what I was just going to say. The, 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because on Earth, like, we've already figured out a whole bunch of stuff that we can then utilize to mm-hmm. catapult all this other conversation with deep sea exploration. But with space, we're still in that infancy of competitiveness and, you know, where are we going and who's going where first? Like, it feels way early in discovery stages yeah. to talk about. Yeah, mm. that's but at fair. the same time... Apparently, people are very eager. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> Where else That's do you want to sure. go? All right. Um, this is the one. This this is basically my dream wedding. The okay. German couple wanted to have the ultimate American-style wedding. Before heading to their wedding ceremony uh, within the last couple of weeks, newlyweds Mike and Kathy Holler and their 23 guests made an unexpected pit stop at their all-time favorite restaurant, a McDonald's in small town Michigan. Uh, the couple rolled through the drive-thru in a red Mustang with the establishment's jingle, I'm loving it, plastered across <laughs> the doors and its distinctive golden arches emblazoned on the hood. Uh, they indulged on chicken McNuggets, cheeseburgers, <laughs> fries etc <laughs> and they said that whenever they travel and this is true actually i've heard this that mcdonald's in different locations have different sort of unique items on the menu and oh, so okay. every every opportunity they have they go to mcdonald's and this was sort of the way that they uh wanted to i guess tie the knot in fact one guest said uh, I think when someone asked me about my favorite part of the wedding, one of the first things that will come up is McDonald's. Mm. How many uh, people did they have at the wedding? Uh, I think it was about uh, 18 guests. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, I'm thinking about the finances, and it would be great. Did they customize the experience in any way? Like, it wasn't just a generic McDonald's. Uh, 23 guests sorry i mean i i am picturing i mean i don't know how much you can really like customize like oh i would like my burger to be a little more sort of upscale they'd be like i have no idea what you're talking (laughs) about um but i i have to tell you though like my because i'm a little bit of a plain eater whatever just little secret between you and i and Mm. i tell the listeners and the viewers Mm -hmm. um this would be my kind of thing. Like yeah. sometimes if I'm going to like a really fancy dinner, whatever, or for sure, like if I had a wedding one day in the distant future, I'd be like, you know what? I'm kind of craving like some McNuggets. I mean, I'm going to either get my guests in on this or if I can't do this, just kind of sneak in myself at some point during the day. I mean, doesn't it seem like the ideal meal? Okay, I will tell you one time, my friend and I went to have the a very expensive meal. I, it was for her birthday. We were young. She's like, I just want to do this. And we spent like 150, 200 bucks on each meal. And then afterwards, we were so hungry. We went to McDonald's next yeah, door. Yeah, because the... Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That's life, right? So we went there, and then we're like, this is more satisfying than the meal we just had. So, yeah, like, after a wedding, maybe you, the bride and groom didn't eat enough. Maybe the guests are still starving. I don't know. Like, the, the day's gone. It's a blur. It's very uh, for show. And then you end up going to a McDonald's and having the best time of your life. Now you're just kind of fast-forwarding through that first experience, and it's McDonald's. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's kind of cute. Uh, 
<laughs> Real quick, I think we have a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but a four-hour system interruption in September at the Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Kansas City, Missouri, has been attributed to a cat jumping on a technician. <laughs> keyboard uh apparently the technician made this claim on one of the regular weekday calls held by the u.s government department uh where quite a lot of people i think they said about 100 or around there were on the call Mm. yeah uh, uh, 100 people contractors vendors and employees uh and blamed some it problems on a cat and it turns out that cats are responsible for a number of IT problems. One person commented, this is why I should get a dog. Just wanted to mention really just wanted to mention really quickly that uh, I agree for the simple fact that your dog will feel guilty about it. Your cat will be like, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, kind of glad. It was funny. It was fun. It's not my fault you put keyboard to my access. Yeah, no, it's true. And I was thinking, too, we should make a reel or some type of montage about with all the Zoom calls we've heard in the last four plus years <laughs> where people are like, oh, sorry, my cat's on my keyboard. Like that, that is a line now. It's a line. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's not too unique, but it's yeah. still kind of funny. Yeah. Thanks, Grant, Ramya. this is awesome. Talk to you in a bit. Grant Hardy joining us for What in the World. This is in every other week slash bi-weekly segment. We have Opposite checking in with Fern Lullum, and we flip through quirky stories from around the world. Spent actually quite a little bit of time in uh, North America today, though. After the break, we're talking to Bill Shackleton on the buzz. He says Hungary has fired the National Museum director over LGBTQ plus content in world press photo exhibitions. We're going to find out what exactly that's about after the break on Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. hanging out here because we are here for two hours this is kelly and ramia and guess what kelly is also back so he's hanging out with us thank goodness because i was just about to read the top secret items of the round table which comes on later on in hour two but kelsey you're oh, back so i won't i won't read it yet no no don't 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 be a my cursor is poised my screen reader is ready but i will wait it's a wonder you broke into the safe to get those treasured <laughs> items. What's wrong with you, my good heaven? I barely had to do a thing. I just got an email in my inbox. Here you go, Kelly oh, Ditched. Oh, this yeah. is the roundtable. Can you it's, imagine? I love that. You know what? Everybody just loves it. We take it and say, yeah, I'm just taking time off again. You know, that's oh, that's, no. that's what you call just taking it for the team. Sometimes we have weird things happen, mostly when we never know. Mm. Hey, how come that's happening? And you feel so sorry for everybody scrambling. Try to figure it out because you just wish... Wish I could just snap it and fix it or just have that answer. And uh, so I thank everybody for scrambling there, trying to get things sorted and figure out what the heck happened. And now we're back. And now we're back. And now the roundtable is going to hopefully go as smoothly. But isn't it interesting how it's not just... Yeah, but it's not just you who has the rights to spread around these secret roundtable clips. Uh That was the the point I was trying to make. Others have sent me the roundtable clips. Ooh. Interesting. Oh, well, sometimes people send them forgetting or, yeah. well, okay, I think it's the money that mm. you pay out. I don't think it's just they forgot, oh, yeah, she's not supposed to know this. It's the, oh. Well, I think they know. 
Well, I think they I know think what they they're. Also, I think everybody. To. I think the audience knows. Are you <laughs> kidding? It's cheap as she. There's no way she's spending money. Yeah, yeah. They make no. a mistake. No, I just wait around and then people send me the stuff. You know, they just, just think just you're like supposed that. to have them. Mm -hmm. Oh, you weren't. Exactly. These aren't in the script. In Thanks, case Jeff. you're missing these. I mean, you know, whoever sent it to me. All right, let's let's get to the buzz because we're not done the first hour yet. Bill Shackleton joining us for the buzz because it's a Thursday show. Billy, where do you want to start? I want to start with this one, a very controversial subject. Hungary yeah. has fired the National Museum director over LGBTQ plus content in World Press Photo Exhibition. Mm -hmm. um, very, not very good. Apparently what has happened was the um, hung, Hungary has a law that restricts LGBTQ plus content to minors. And the World uh, Press Photo Exhibition, which, by the way, has over 4 million visitors a year, um, it's come under, essentially what's happened is that I'm going to read what the National Director of the Museum said on his website. Um, I, take, I take note of the decision, but I can't accept it as as a father or a grand a father for and a grandparent, I um, I reject the idea that our children should be protected from me or the me's or the institute I I run. Uh, basically, what this is is part of this exhibition involves um, four photographs that were taken by a Filipino journalist. And it depicts a, a community of LGBTQ plus people living together, helping each other. And apparently they've been they've been doing this for years. Some are dressed in, in rag or drag, they call it, and some of them have makeup. And the, you know, it, the, the, it he was fired. Well, basically, I, I think he understands the law, but it doesn't, it sounds to me like he's totally dis in disagreement of the fact that our kids should be restricted, especially when you're talking about a, 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 a world event so prominent as this. And the one of the purposes of the festival or the exhibition is to promote um, cultural events. And I mean, if you're a government, you're promoting the festival or it wouldn't be there. And then you're restricting it. It just the mind boggles. Uh, this is um, a very extreme but very real example of the kinds of conflict that is so real and out there, Billy. Like we're yeah. talking about art and freedom of expression. Yeah, that's and right. expression through art, like you know, real. Uh, challenges, real identities, real people being captured and, and displayed in art or expressing through art to the public. And then we're talking about the government and the yeah. power that government has and the the way that you can really just put your foot down when you have this kind of power. And uh, this is an ins insane struggle. To say that, yeah. it's it's it's... It's gotten a lot of negative reaction from the block, you know, countries. Mm. Yeah. It's just, yeah. just, you, you know, know, what's interesting, too, is we, especially when certain decisions like this, we're going to do this. I don't want to see that. I don't think that's good for the younger people. 
And the, the fact that we forget what younger people already know. You know, when, when, when I was a kid, Bill, when you were a kid, there's stuff you knew that your parents would, what? How do you know oh, yeah. about that? And it's yeah. access to things, okay? Yes, you hope that your kid's hearing or finding out or reading the right things and getting it right for as they become an adult, of course, and there are always going to be stuff, whether you're a youth or, or an adult, that you say, whoa, that's wrong, or that's somebody's propaganda or something negative or definite misreading of, of something by choice or whatever. But people do get to have to make choices in life. They have to, and they get the right to do so. But I think that that's what's really forgotten. It's a Oh, we have to isolate. We have to shelter. We can't allow the kids to see this or young people that, or why are we shoving? And we forget, guys, they're beyond us and are at that point in their years. Oh, they're, yeah. They're we we exposed think we're so... to so many things. Mm. Like, and, and you know what? You can sit there and say, well, I don't want you to see that here. All right, I'll just go down the block here and look exactly. over here. No, this is, <laughs> you're pointing out such a truth, Kelly, of, of how I feel about this whole thing. It, yeah. This whole argument to begin with, where you know parents or people of authority, people of power, believe that we can really restrict kids, that we can really yeah. censor these materials, and not just materials, but full conversations, full philosophies, and yep. uh, full identities of people, and parts of populations. Shown out there in the right way, as opposed to, well, that's fine, I'll just go home here, hide oh, in my yeah. room, and I'll go to these dark websites oh, or no, whatever Oh, no, we really I think we find. got a handle on this stuff, and I, th I find it, it. Uh, it's ludicrous, to be honest with you. But it's interesting, because the government, um, the, the nationalist government in Hungary, they res restricted the availability of materials yeah. that, quote, promote or intolerate um, or tolerate and depict mm -hmm. homosexuality. And this is television, films, all kinds of media, advertisement, yep. literature. So this yeah, is this is right. just one part of this argument for them, one snippet of the picture, right? Like they're really going hard with the restriction. Yeah. And they're trying and to get we, other countries Bill, on board. Seen, and we've seen other countries, including ours, say, well, we don't want that in the school. So we don't want people to discover that film or whatever. And we know, guys, after a while, they'll find it wherever they can, wherever. And not by looking for it, just because it's there, where they go. Where people are, we see these things. No one has to hide it under lock and key for us to still get it uh, or get at it. What you really want is interpretation to be there, explanation. If someone says, what is this, mom? What is this, dad? Never mind, close your eyes. You, you yeah. would rather, yeah. well, let's go it's look, let's find out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or I can keep you from learning this until maybe next month. There's no point. No, no, there isn't. And um, I guess, like, you know, we can throw around concepts and we can throw around, like, bigger picture philosophical discussions, but when it comes to something like this, you're seeing the real-life example, as I said earlier, right, of how our world is divided um, through things like art galleries, like um, just media and expression that's out there. Very unfortunate, yeah. but good mm -hmm. to bring a light on it. Very really? much no. so. Mm -hmm. What else? From there... We go to laughing gas. I mean, how how do we transition from <laughs> Hungary to laughing gas? Well, tell us. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Um, Britain bans laughing gas to curve antisocial behavior, so a ban on the recreational use and possession of nitrous oxide, also known as laughing gas, comes into effect uh, in Britain. On Wednesday, and I guess it was yesterday. Uh, and you know the laughing. Uh, you know your dentist uses it 
and and laughing gas is you know you when you blow up helium balloons i know we've been to parties where we inhale the gas and it's kind of interesting it me you know it changes your voice it, it gives you a high yeah, yeah um, the helium but does that yeah but the helium laughing yeah. gas mm-hmm. yeah it's the third most commonly used drug between 60 and 24 year olds wow. and it is it it basically could cause nerve damage or paralysis and the other issue that they're having is people are throwing away gas cans all over the street right um in britain so there's that kind of thing but how are you going to blow up your balloons if you don't use that what are you going to use well you would use helium right oh. laughing gas is different, isn't it? Like nitrous oxide. I is guess. Totally nitrous oxide too, Billy. I believe they used to, <laughs> a lot of cars used to have it for turbo, you know, in the racing. And they, they? they made it illegal. They said, no, you can't use that because it would give that extra boost to it, I believe, if I if I have that oh, right. Maybe I'm okay. watching, maybe I watched too many uh, Dukes of Hazard episodes or something like that. But I, I believe it, 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 they had the NASCAR and I banned the use of that years ago because it's, it allowed your car to really go at a dangerous thing. So I think it's one of those things you can't. But yeah, the laughing gas, that's it, that's interesting as a get high tool. Yeah, I, I, I haven't mean, really yeah. heard of that one, to be honest with you guys. It makes yeah, a no. lot of sense. Makes sense, just certainly. Because it's a very relaxing uh, option for people. But you would just but laugh all through your high, wouldn't just, you? Yeah, I don't, I don't, the, the thing that I'm questioning like is much? the intention of the government when they're posing this kind of, uh, you know, I guess, memo to the general public because they're saying it's causing nuisance behavior. Yes. Yeah. So, are you worried about the danger that this is posing on people having it in yeah. their possession? Or all the canisters laying yeah. around. Or are you <laughs> yeah. like, hey yeah. man, stop acting silly on the streets. Get rid of your yeah, laughing. I'm trying gas. to go to sleep, but that gang stop laughing. Right, exactly. And they're not even um, proposing no a legitimate. Exactly, they're not proposing yeah. something yeah. legitimate in terms of consequences or dealing with lawfully. They're just like, tisk tisk. We got to get this off people's hands. Like, you don't even require a license to have this. No, to but have they laughing did gas. say. They did say that uh, people that are they, they, they are going to be going to prison for a long time. If um, what? So yeah, if if with people caught. with the illegal yeah. handling yeah. it or yeah, because you if can't just go after the kids doing it. It's got to be the distribution. That's exactly of it. what I mean. There, there's yeah. no legislation that makes sense around this, or uh, you know, tells you exactly what it is that you need to be doing to suffer the consequences. <laughs> yeah, Billy, you want to squeeze in the last one? Yeah, Bill. Well, make, get, make it something that'll make her laugh it off. Uh -huh. well, we can talk about pets. You know, the the end the end of daylight saving time affects pets too. Animal workers say. Mm -hmm. So you know, basically, what happens to pets? It, and I don't know whether your dog gets affected. But I don't know. I'm too affected to notice his. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say. I think uh, charity starts at home with her. <laughs> is that right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I worry about I'm how looking I'm at the man in the mirror. Okay, come on. Okay, tell me what is it. Well, you, you know, when you think about daylight, say when when your clocks go back, you, when you, you you walk your dog at six o'clock, because he's got he's got a um, a circadian rhythm too, so mm -hmm. they're used to being fed and walked at the same time. So when it's six o'clock, it's only really five o'clock, but six o'clock in his head. Mm. So if you're gonna say, well, I'm gonna wait till six o'clock, you might have a mess on the floor because the dog. His bladder may be full or whatever. Right, right. And and it's you know I mean um, the the welfare animal welfare groups are recommending basically do the change 
feed him 50 minutes um, later, walk him 50 minutes later, um, you know, and then increase adjust it. And, and, and Yeah, adjust, adjust. I wow. think I'm, cats would have a bigger problem than dogs overall because the, really? my friends who have cats seem to have very strict regimes. Like 4.45 a.m. is 4.45 a.m., period. As a cat, my dog and I, we have a better understanding of how yeah, strict yeah. we are at home. But uh, things like, you know, birds and reptiles and amphibians, I'm yeah, curious about. No, yeah, they, no, they don't. No, no. Right. And um, and because you create a separate, like a, a an exclusive environment for them, right? Not just, your dogs are going outside. Like their environment is your environment. Whereas uh, if you have an aquarium, you can kind of deal with that as a separate thing, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm I'm wondering if 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 our listeners, um, how many if, if their pets if their dogs are affected. I don't know. Mm. All right, Bill, we gotta let you go. I wasn't listening to time right. cues. Bye. Yeah, I was just gonna say Bye. you're altering the time of the show right <laughs> yeah. now. We're just gonna go 15 minutes. Bill Shackleton joining us for the Buzz Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. So he'll be back tomorrow with uplifting, lovely articles for Friday afternoons. After the break, we've got hour two kicking off. In that hour, we have the weekly roundtable with uh, our vice president of programming, programming, which is, oh my God, AMI-TV and AMI-audio, John Melville. Also, we have accessible gaming with Marcus McCracken. But after the break, we're talking about making our leftovers last a little longer in creative ways with Mary Mammoliti of Kitchen Confession. We will be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. I have to tell you about the book that we're discussing. If we can get Please. the right book figured out for November, geez, our book club uh, falls on the last Tuesday of the month on Kelly and Remia, and we will be discussing women talking. Mm. Kelly, you said something about maybe not reading this book? Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, I want to out you out on air so that you can... Got too much else going on. May not feel, be able to read this one. Feel shame. You know, I, I'm shame trying to open you. the door for when I pick a book outside of you picking <laughs> one. Uh, you'll have an out clause because I might pick something that I really don't doubt you'll uh, want to want to mm. listen to. Even no, though it's no, actually no, no, no. really good. I'll pick whatever. I'll listen. I've Very grit good. my teeth and uh, read yeah. some books And here. I've fallen oh. asleep to many books I haven't liked. <laughs> At least half a book. I've read for the book, the sake of this book club. Yeah, there was and, one recently you weren't too oh, thrilled with yeah. that we did. And, you did, you had and this trouble. time last year was a struggle as well. One of uh, Karen McGee's recommendations. She's quite uh -huh. adventurous. But anyways, um, we're <laughs> kicking off hour two of Kelly and Ramia. No, I don't want us to have this reputation that we're just like passing off books. Like we want to read all of them. Send us your recommendations. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Thursdays, to kick off Hour 2, we get cooking with Mary Mammoliti of Kitchen Confession. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mammoliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. Mary, we've been told by the sighted people that you have a new haircut. I do. I do. I have cut my hair. It is now just above my shoulders. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Wait, did you say you cut yeah. your hair? No, no. <laughs> Sorry, I went to go get it cut. I would not try it myself. Okay, because I, I mean, was maybe say... years ago I probably did. Mm. But no, not now. Yeah, no, yeah. I just gave it a good chop. My hair was like 
halfway down my back. And oh, oh, so now I just significant. Have this little bob now. Lovely. Yeah. It seems kind yes, of counterintuitive. Yes, yes. No, you don't want to be warm in the winter. Your hair doesn't warm you up. No, you know what? I'm, I'm always warm. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> Lucky you. Okay. <laughs> Mary, we're talking about creative ways to repurpose our leftovers, save money, and reducing food waste. All of this comes in combinations when we're talking leftovers. Good idea. Absolutely, absolutely. And leftovers, they really aren't limited to just like the holiday feasts, right? It's with a little bit of inspiration, a touch of planning, some pantry essentials, some fresh ingredients. I mean, you can naturally breathe new life into every meal. Mm. So, and, and like you said, it ensures both budget and helps with food, keeps uh, food waste in check. Yeah. And we've done this before or like had similar conversations with you where rotisserie chicken comes up. So let's talk about leftovers. Yes. And because you can have so much of it kicking around. You go to the store and then you just think, there's so much. I can make three meals yeah. out of this and maybe some for the family. And how do we give it new Absolutely. life? Absolutely. Absolutely. And truly, honestly, rotisserie chicken, if it's not part of your staple grocery list, make it. Mm. <laughs> make it a staple because it's so versatile. You can use it in so many different things. Um, if you don't finish that whole rotisserie chicken, like you said, then there's plenty to go around and to repurpose. So you can always do the usual suspects where it's like chicken salad, a little bit of stir fry. But what if you want to get a little creative? Try turning that leftover chicken into creamy chicken chili. Oh, so simple. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's so easy and it's delicious. It's a one pot meal. You know, I love my one pot and one sheet meals. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Just add some shredded, shredded chicken to the pot, some corn, a few warming spices, you know, maybe like oregano, some cumin, garlic, jalapeno, a little bit of onion, bell pepper, you know, some chicken broth, white beans. And then at the end, once you've cooked that all up, now again, the chicken's cooked. So you're just, you're, you're cooking everything up. It cooks up really quickly. Add some sour cream. It gives it like this creaminess to the broth and it's loaded with flavor. It's just so good. And then you can also, if you guys want to, I mean, do you love chicken soup? Yep. I, I love yep, chicken noodle good. soup, right? I mean, it's just, Especially it's when you great. got a cold. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. What if I say, you know, try making some lemon chicken orzo soup. So it's mm. another one pot meal. Um, it's hearty, it's light. And again, it's pure comfort in a bowl. So it's uh, just like yeah. chicken noodle soup, but it's got an upgrade. And then just serve it with a little bit of crispy sesame seed crackers, just to add a little bit of crunch to it. You both know I love my crunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even with soup. Right, no, man? Especially, especially <laughs> with soup. Are you kidding? I'd rather exactly. crunch them when they get all soggy. So I try to keep them away from, but that's for sure. But definitely I like the crunch on the oh, side. Oh, yeah. I do the crunch on the side to kind of mask my slurping. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow, there's no masking slurping trick. around here. But wow. Yeah, oh, the crunch good, definitely. Oh. Oh, that's really good. Anything else, Mayor? Yeah, well, that's I want to talk a little bit. Right? Yeah. I mean, okay, with, so with the soup, you can do crusty bread. You can do mm. grilled cheese goes good with everything, in my opinion. Um, yep. So that's always yep. good. Even some croutons, if you have them lying around, toss them in. Now mm -hmm. you're cooking that. I like even in it, even in it. I don't mind those softening up a touch. Um, a touch. How about left? How about leftover mashed potatoes? How can we repurpose yes. these guys into a new and fun dish? I mean, mashed potatoes, they're cozy. They're comforting, right? It's the perfect side to any main dish. But let's turn it into the star of the show. Make some potato gnocchi. 
honestly, okay, so it does, making gnocchi is easier than you think. Truly, it really is. The secret is to making them, it's true. It's so simple. Once I tell you, you're going to say, I know, I didn't realize it was this easy to make. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do, get your mashed potatoes, leftover mashed potatoes, make sure that they're lump free as much as possible. You want them as smooth as you can get them. And then after you season them, mix in with a little bit of flour and then knead it. Divide that dough up and then roll each piece into about a half an inch diameter rope. So you just want to roll it out into a rope. Cut that rope, that dough, rope dough or dough rope. Dough into, rope. Dough rope. Sounds like a song. Into, dough rope. <laughs> into one inch pieces. That's it. I'm not going to get you to do anything fancy with them. Just cut them into one inch piece squares and then boil them. Oh. They boil up in minutes. They just pop to the top of that pot, scoop them out. Um, and what I like to do, actually, if you cook with um, one of those you know, like deep fryer baskets, yep. if you don't have those fancy pots, put that into your pot, put your gnocchi in. And then when the gnocchi pop to the top or they're ready to be removed, you don't have to mm. pour anything out. Just, Just lift that. Mm. That's it. Lift that basket out and your gnocchi are done. But I also like serving these. So that's it. That's all there is to making gnocchi. It's pretty simple. Two steps, roll it, cut it, boil. And then I love having it with maybe like a rich tomato basil uh, yes. sauce, okay. right? Nice and fresh. If you don't make your own, the one that I'm going to recommend, the jarred tomato sauce that I enjoy uh, is called Rayo's tomato basil. It is delicious. It's mm. So good. Just heat that up um, and then just pour it over your gnocchi and enjoy it. Delicious. Kind of there are a lot of great brands when you out do there. That with, um, it kind of reminds me when you do that kind of pour over the or dipping in with like a panzerotti. Yeah. That's what it kind of reminds mm. me of. Chop it up and do that. It, you know, wow. Mm. Yes. Yes, and definitely. And we're and cheese. kind of moving <laughs> forward with the same thinking because pasta. Mm -hmm. uh, what can we do with leftovers that we might have with tomato sauce or pasta sauce? I'm so glad you asked this question because there's so many things you can do. But the first one that comes to mind, if you happen to have some leftover bolognese sauce, mm -hmm. right, you're, you are definitely in luck because bolognese, what it is, it's a tomato-based sauce, minced beef or pork is in that, and that mm -hmm. cooks up all together and it just it melts together and makes this delicious, luscious sauce. It's usually served with pasta, but what I want you to do, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I know I have a scratchy throat because maybe I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. Maybe I, I need to so. eat well, some. Well, you're hungry, like that's it. for sure. Oh, yeah. Even <laughs> I'm on this one. Yeah. Bolognese, <laughs> so, that meat. Oh. Bolognese, right? It's just so good. Try it on loaded nachos. Like, do Hell, you, yes. Right? Place the nachos into a deep-rimmed baking dish. Top it with loads of shredded cheese. Don't be shy. Load it up. Slide it under the broiler. Give it a couple of minutes. Right? You just want that to melt. Reheat the bolognese sauce and then scoop it over those toasty, cheesy tortilla chips as soon as they come out of the oh. oven. Nice, <clears> nice. Follow, right? yeah. follow with some sour cream, some guacamole. Oh. I'm getting so excited. I love pickled jalapenos <laughs> on here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Am I alone? Oh. Do you like the pickled no, no, so jalapenos? Good. So mm, good. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Right? And then, of with course, all kinds of stuff, yeah. And then, of course, just top with a little extra cheese because you never have enough. Okay. Right, cheese. The, That's what I said. And, and cheese. And cheese. And and more and cheese. cheese. And did I mention, don't forget the cheese. And cheese. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's the perfect, it's a low effort snack, or it's the perfect meal if you want. It, oh, but no, right? and nachos then, are always a full meal. And then? Always. And then stuffed peppers. 
So mm. this is a this one's really fun. It's a little healthier spin. If you've got some red bell peppers at home, cut them in half, preheat your bolognese. Now, do you see them take out the seeds? They take out the insides. You just have the right. shell of the uh, bell pepper. Preheat your bolognese. Add some leftover rice if you have it. Spoon it into like the halved peppers. Top with some grated, wait for it, mozzarella and parmigiano. Again, cheese. And then bake for a healthy light dinner. Serve it with a side green salad. It's so good. It's just delicious. Wow. It bakes mm-hmm. up beautifully. Yeah. Boy, that would that'd be good. And it gets you that kind of meal. It's a meal in in in, in the pepper itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And uh, it's filling. It is. Mary, this is great. Thank you so much. We gotta leave it there. Um we'll pick it now. up though, right, Mary? Let's pick this up. Yeah, why not? Absolutely. Okay. Sounds good. We still haven't gotten to any of the proper vegetarian stuff. That's good to stop Okay, like you said, that's enough for now. (laughs) Exactly. Go back to your nachos. They're so healthy, man. Thank you. Bye. Nice haircut. I mean, the blind person. Says the blind person to the other. (laughs) I will take it. I may not be here when we're talking vegetables next segment, but oh well. Mary Mavalidi joining us for our weekly cooking chat. And she's also (laughs) available on kitchenconfession.com with all the discussions, recipes, and the podcast. If you go and check it out on your favorite podcast platform. That sounds like me with the next book. I might not be there for it. Oh, yeah, come on. Uh, Let's talk a little gaming. Hopefully you'll be here for that at least. (laughs) Accessible gaming with Marcus McCracken. That's what's next on the show. we got a family-friendly game that he wants to highlight. Find out more about it after the break. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back. We're continuing on with Kelly and Ramya well into hour two of the show. Quick reminders, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time is when we air live on AMI-tv. You can catch the first edition of the show at 4 p.m. Eastern time on weekdays on AMI-audio. And if all that is just too much for you to bother with, go to your favorite podcast platform and find us there. We'll give you reminders uh, day in, day out, so you can keep posted. Kelly McDonald, over to you. Thank you. Well, and we're getting lined up as we walk through our second hour of the program. It's time to mess around a little bit. Let's let's maybe get into some gaming, folks, as we welcome on the second Thursdays of the month, we uh, do some accessible gaming with Marcus McCracken. Marcus, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me back. Mm-hmm. Life well. Anything we should know you're doing and promote here, uh, YouTube, anything? I'm always on YouTube, but um, I recently just won a copy from my friends over at Three Dads in a Console and Outright Games, a Christmas game, actually. It's called The Grinch, Christmas Adventures. Um, Mm. It's meant for kids. It's a family-oriented game like Mm -hmm. all Outright Games are. I just double-checked the settings today. There are no accessibility. However, with that said, there's not much of anything for settings. It's a straightforward game. You're pretty much going around trying to steal all the presents collecting puzzles <laughs> pretty much to, to steal christmas um i did a quick review on monday about it i attempted to play it today a little bit just to double check the settings make sure i didn't say something that was incorrect and my wife is actually still playing it now <laughs> and is that because she's a christmas person or just having fun kind of with the idea give me that present you don't need that i'll take that uh, <laughs> I think she just got addicted to it. It's oh. like, like I said, it's a really f- uh, fun, friendly kid 
safe game as well. Yeah. Um, it's actually, I might actually get inspired to do more uh, reviews for outright games okay. when it comes to kids' games because of how simplified they are. Yeah, give us wow. um, an idea of what the game is, and then we can get into a broader conversation about kids' games. Well, like I said, if you're familiar with the Grinch, you're trying to uh, steal Christmas. Mm. So you're literally going around the board. It's pretty much a straight uh, screen menu. You're just going around collecting the presents, dodging things like uh, spiders. There's a couple um, nutcrackers in the game. Um boulders that you got to move you also have a companion his name is max he will help you in certain areas such as opening like getting on the other side of a door to grab some presents or helping you get in that locked door mm. you also have mm. to hide sometimes because you don't want the families to wake up and catch you trying to steal their gifts oh nice so right. It, right. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward game what happens if the families oh. wake up they will catch you and you just uh, start over from that <laughs> point at another house <laughs> no, it, it, you have to actually pass Restart. it. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. you do have to get through it. So yeah. when, without having necessarily accessible uh, functionality um, for yourself, can you at least make it a little large print for the things, the menus, or anything? What What do you feel makes it something that um, we could go in and, and play around with? Is there some good audio stuff? Does Max help you? Okay, so... Um, Max is very quick to help you. So you only when you switch to the dog, you've got like mm -hmm. a uh, matter of seconds to use them. Um, but wow. as far as the accessibility goes, I, when I first reviewed it on Monday, I had the, the Zoom with the Xbox that's built in just to, mm -hmm. to read the menus. Uh, other than that, I haven't used it. Depending on your vision level, it is very possible to play. Or you can use the co-op, the co-pilot feature. So you ah. could, if I wanted to play with my wife, then we could just use the one controller but hooked up to two controls. Yep. So it's very well doable. Mm. Um, anything else around the accessibility of this game other than Copilot, which we brought up in other scenarios also? Not really, but like I said, there is no accessibility settings built into the game. Yep. But with, but with that the console said, you, itself? The console, if you need magnification, you can go in and, and turn the zoom on. That works for the PlayStation and the Xbox as well. And okay. uh, yeah, it's there is a story um, narrated, but it's all riddles. So it's literally a riddle poem game. Right. The way the, the, way the Grinch or the narrator yes. for the Grinch would speak, the whole thing, the way it was written in. Um, yep. is, is doing the co-pilot co co kind of thing, do you guys feel for a lot of people in the position of if a family has something and, and say maybe dad or mom is vision impaired or the child and mom's playing it with you? Um, it, it's it's still again a companion with you playing the game. Does it take away Marcus your feel of, of fun? Like again, we're talking kids or whatever, but someone who games like yourself to get into this, are you more or less likely because you if you were to need the copa, are you more or less likely to get into this game as a regular play at this time of the year? For myself personally, no. It all depends. Like it's teamwork. So if um for instance, for this Christmas game, if we used a co-pilot, I would just have my wife tell me when to jump if I needed to jump over something, or she could mm -hmm. just point me in a direction to get the presents. So it's a team effort. I've played um, AAA games the same way. It all depends right. on how hardcore of a gamer you are. If you're looking for that satisfaction of being just by yourself, then I 
personally wouldn't recommend a co-pilot, but if you're looking to have fun and you want to enjoy it, then you just uh, make a team effort. One person does this and the other person will do that. And that's what I thought, you know, if you're, and again, coming from a time where I would have had to do that with my parents or, or Mm. have them say, okay, do this work it. You know, I stop and think, but today, because there's so much access, because we talk about the accessibility. And again, I wonder, are people even more forgiving? Cause I mean, a lot of kids, well, you know, the Grinch, man, Grinch was scary. Like, I'm surprised it's a kid's game, but I guess the Grinch <laughs> was a kid's show. But um, it it made me just kind of wonder when you have someone like yourself who is striving for so much accessibility, and that's not going to come at the snap of a finger or overnight, um, how much enjoyment can you have? How much does that co-pilot allow someone to, to have that fun and feel, hey, I mean, it's great. You're playing it with mom, dad, your partner, whatever it might be. Um, I just wondered that from, like you say, if someone's a real heavy gamer. But I can understand someone who may not necessarily be or new at it. Uh, it, it definitely might might be that kind of fun. Yeah, it's it especially kicks into play for the um, certain puzzles within certain games as well. So, if you are playing with somebody and you're absolutely getting frustrated, just have, have your friend or wife or whatever just pick up the other controller and say, "Can you help me out here?" It's it's got a lot of advantages. I haven't found a disadvantage yet. Besides, we have a tendency to stop argue of which way to go but that's just my wife and i <laughs> that's some and i think that's what some of the games are meant to be like in yeah. that in that sense so can she tell you quick enough jump or whatever like how do you guys get that routine down because there's a benefit too of knowing each other knowing the as you learn the game um because some people might oh, 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 oh never mind here you're dead <laughs> or whatever it might be for the game sorry you're out you've been caught by the family and now the, the father's throwing you out the door Again, it all depends on like the the game and the level of play you're playing. The Grinch, it's it's pretty basic. So you're either gonna, I think I managed to jump on a spider once or twice, but I have a habit of just pushing buttons when I know my wife yeah. is gonna play with me. So I'll just keep jumping until she tells me to stop. <laughs> yeah, you went through the ceiling. Quit it. <laughs> Marcus, we uh, often talk about replayability with games, and I'm curious when you're picking up a a kid's game, how you um, test replayability, if this isn't even a a consideration for you, or you're just kind of going through it to see how fun it is that first time around, what's engaging about it, like that co-pilot, you know, process that you're still working on, like, I guess, testing and playing through that way. But do you think about replayability? Um, this one, it was actually because I had won a copy of it. So I figured I might as well give try it a try. Yeah. Um, both my kids are grown. So it'll be a while before our grandson can play it. So it will be definitely re- replayed once he's old enough to play it. Um, I think there's a lot of replayable, especially in Christmas games. It only comes once a year. Mm-hmm. So by the time it comes around again, you'll forget what to do and you'd have to replay it if you want to play it. True. Uh, and, um, and is this something the, that you would go back to or do you think that people would go back to if you were to project seasonally at least? Oh, I think so. Especially when it comes to outright because they're focused on family kid games. Yeah. So if, yeah, if they can yeah. add to um, and it's a the classic. Grinch or even, a, yeah. If they can well, add to and, the and Marcus, could you do that with this one in your mind? Obviously, okay. I, I'm sorry on probably the question, but <laughs> accessibility wise, what what would you feel? How easy to make this one that way? And do you think it would be a big enough game that it would be worth the, the worth it to them to do so? I 
think if they wanted to add an accessibility setting in it for subtitles, that would be one major thing. Um, if they keep adding to their games in general and have that right mindset like they, I, I know they are getting, uh, I think it'd be a, a beneficial in the long run because uh, gamers are all ages. Um, yeah. And especially with uh, parents with young ones now looking to get them into possibly gaming and uh, educational games and just fun games, we do need to hit that accessible, like accessibility options within uh, some of these developers. And I think Outright would do that. Um, I, I haven't tested a lot of them. This is my first hands-on. Mm -hmm. But that's when I go to... Uh, uh, my my guys at three dads in a console who always play their their uh, spokespersons for out, outright games. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting to think about seasonal games because you you do have to put them in a different category altogether, yeah. right? Yep. It's you do. not just genre; it's time of year. It's maximizing and optimizing how many people you can get uh, into that. Because as soon as you know Jan first hits, you're out you're not thinking Christmas anymore or festivities or the Grinch. So yeah, I wonder how much consideration is put into will people come back next year or uh, if people, like if game um, distributors and uh, developers just think, you know, it's got to be a one and done and that's the way we have to think about it for marketing purposes. I think if they do all right, they could either add to the Grinch. Uh, I was never really a fan of the Grinch, so I don't know how much more they could add to it, or they could just develop um, a different another thing. another Christmas story yeah. type game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I guess but if even the... just an update to it to take in this into account and care because it would be it's the naming. It's such a classic. Mm. And even yeah. if it's not necessarily an update, there are things that I'm sure you could pick up like, you know, patterns or mechanisms of the game that people enjoyed because there's stuff that people are looking for that we're just not aware of. Right. Like, does this work? Does this work as a game? Does this work as a concept in the game? Uh, do people enjoy this particular aspect of gameplay? And then put that concept into another game, that cookie cutter. Uh, well, absolutely. I, I think yeah. that's very well possible. Mm -hmm. Possible. I, I think with a game like this, because of what it is, it's what it is. It would be that hoping that it has a longevity and people want it every year, that families like playing it. Like we have those board games and certain things you would only break out at Christmas time, because of, I, I think that um, once you had this set a certain way, then you'd probably get the cry of don't go changing it because of people yeah. when it comes to classic things stay interesting. Marcus Powell, thank you, man. Thank you. Always fun to talk games, Christmas games, the Grinch. Uh, we get accessible gaming with Marcus McCracken on the second Thursday of the month right here on Kelly and Romeo and I wonder, you know, Ramya, you think about, and I don't know how many games are out there with that kind of Christmas feel, like is there a Silent Night game? Is, you mm. know, just other ones that are out there. But it's interesting because you think you create this game, which is different than the show, the movie, the play, the, the story, the, the the Grinch story, I'm sure. Right. And, and it's, they've made up their own. I don't know if there's other similar games kind of called Grinch 2 or Grinch something else or the Grinch did this or that. But it's really an interesting idea when you think about what do you do to change it? Do you improve on it or not? That's a very mm. interesting question. Yeah, and, and how much in development is something like this for you to you know really invest in it? Or is it just a throwaway? Is it just a possibility? Yeah, it does and seem like a one-off, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. All right, well, interesting things to think about and uh, talk through with 
um, Marcus. So like having him on monthly. After the break, we have the weekly roundtable. Our guest today is Vice President of Content Development and Operations at AMI, John Melville. Kelly McDonald has picked some topics for us, maybe some probing questions for John. I guess we'll find out after the break. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. This is Kelly and Ramya, Kelly McDonald, Ramya Amadan. We're here daily with you for a two-hour talk show. Lots of uh, conversations and a variety of subjects. So we're happy that you're hanging out with us because we're getting into more of that variety right now, Kels. Ah, for sure. I, I think you picked the words very apropos. Mm. Let's bring on the weekly roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually oval. Just say yeah. it. The blind guy feels it now goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. I'm glad we uh, were able to keep this music, that feel when we moved the television. It's one of those things, the mainstays of the show, as the roundtable has been since the first week of the program. Uh, we settle back on Thursdays. We call it the roundtable. Ramya and I settle back with a guest. And today we invite in Vice President of Content Development and Operations at AMI, Mr. John Melville. Hey, John, welcome back. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Ramya. How are you doing? Good. We're good. We're good. Excellent. Alex, it's one of those weeks we're navigating through uh, a bunch of stuff, but uh, having lots of fun here on the program as usual. Um, John, as, as a sports person, I'm sure you've kind of taken a bit of a look at this already. Canada's team uh, caps the uh, Pan American Games with 164 me uh, medals, and that includes one, 46 gold. Um, we actually won more medals than four years ago in Lima, Peru, which clearly showed, or sorry, our heart was in it, and that clearly showed. Take a listen. So many medals. I mean, it's it's Canadian really were ready for those games, and it clearly showed. And that was our chef de mission, uh, Christine Girard, uh, with those comments, uh, how much it clearly showed how well we do ranking third. Uh, John, as a, as a sports person, is this something you keep your eye on at all? The Pan American well, Games? Uh, yeah, to a degree. Um, you know, I think, generally speaking, the performance of our Canadian athletes in the various, you know, events they go into, whether it's Olympics um, or the Pan Ams or any of the regular competitions, is something that we should all be excited about. Um, we have an amazing sports program here in the country, and uh, a lot of funding goes into it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not always covered well by, you know, sports media, but uh, mm -mm. Uh, it is something that uh, it's always nice to see Canadians winning medals. We have seen it through the year. Uh, I'm going thinking of the basketball, how Canada did as we start lining up to get ready for next year's Olympics. It, th there's a growth and it's, it's funny. I don't know if there's anything to this, John, as we heard there winning so many more medals, getting in third place than four years ago at the Panama games. I don't know how much of a marker that is, but on the heels of the national men's basketball or the yeah national men's basketball team doing so well a couple of months ago, I think it's lining us up to have more of an interest than Canada normally does. 
Yeah, I, that's absolutely right. And I think one of the reasons that we're starting to see more consistency in the performance is uh, we've noticed this through our discussions with the Paralympians. Uh, a lot of them are participating in AMI shows. And the, the athletes who have retired, who have moved on, um, tend to uh, involve themselves in coaching or in development with the, the new crop of athletes. And successive generations of athletes, you know, winning for Canada has resulted in a very good sort of mentoring program. So I think that's one of the reasons why we're, we're seeing such good competition now uh, and the entire movement is uh, is well structured to be able to continue to uh, develop and, and bring forward new athletes. I'm at Ontario Blind Sports this Saturday, uh, emceeing, and, and always it's a pleasure to do it as they celebrate 10 years inducting people into their Hall of Fame. Uh, Ramya, you know enough people. I know enough people. John has mentioned AMI has worked with enough uh, Paralympians, past Paralympians. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that for you that interest in in these kind of games as next in a couple about a week and a bit the actual Pan Am Para games uh, begin? Yeah, the interest comes with just the conversations and stories that you hear from the Paralympians, from para-athletes themselves. You know how it's not just the competition. Oftentimes we hear about the competitions, we watch them live, we talk about the accessibility of um, having, you know, uh, what do you call it, spectatorship from uh, around the events. But we don't hear about the journeys as often getting to those big events, right? Getting to the Paralympics and getting to the big games. And so Pan Ams is maybe one of the bigger qualifiers as well as other just, you know, national competitions and provincial competitions are where uh, athletes are getting to the big stuff, getting to the big stories. And so as you start to kind of go back with them, go into all these other uh, things throughout the season and how they're feeling and what they're up to and what it means to get up there. These are the big portions of those stories. We had good conversation with Brock when he was talking sports last yeah. week because one of the things he brought up was you could be on one of these teams at the Pan Am Games or at one of the qualifiers and not necessarily be that person that, that makes it to the to the mm -hmm. Paralympics when it comes time. So this is to, your big thing. The Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and that but you are putting that national team in position. Mm -hmm. Also, guys, there's a deadline that's coming up. It's the deadline to repay a pandemic loans back and receive partial forgiveness. It's approaching. Small businesses are hoping that the federal government will reverse course and extend it for another year. Nearly 900,000 organizations applied for and received a Canada Emergency Business Account Loan during the COVID-19 pandemic. The federal program offered up to $60,000 in interest-free loans to help businesses and nonprofits survive related shutdowns and slowdowns. Up to one-third of the loans can be forgiven if businesses pay back the outstanding amount by January 18th, 2024. Those that missed the deadline would see their debts converted to a three-year loan with an interest rate of 5% annually. John Kennedy, The Canadian Press. So I wonder, Ramya, as we were talking about all the businesses that went under recently on the program in Montreal and then looking at amounts of restaurants and that in, in Toronto, just out of our own mm -hmm. curiosity, because of the massive number, we're talking businesses here. And we, we all know, John, that this has been kind of what we've worried about. Ramya, in your mind, you see these businesses being told that, and we all had to know as the pandemic was going, there's going it's to have coming. to be a payback. Yeah. And what is going to be, I mean, interest, really, I get 
the time, but is it just me that this sort of seems again, and I know it's our money as taxpayers, everybody in the country, it seems to me like kicking them while they're down. Still. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't want to say it isn't ideal or it's the wrong choice or, you know, how dare they, because I don't know what the alternative would be, Kels. Like, we know what it's like for the economy to have... Um, given out, given out is not the right word, but you know what I mean, to, to give out all that support. money, yep. yeah, yep. To, support to support through this, and to have to have done it in a very drastic way, uh, almost like as emergency scenarios, because that's what was happening. We were plummeting. Uh, businesses were struggling so much and at such a ginormous scale that something had to be done and that something was done in the form of loans and grants and all these other things but there had to be as you said a time when the other shoe drops and we have to think about repayment so i don't know what the right way of doing it because as with everything else around this conversation it was unprecedented yeah john we have to think about that even here at ami in the sense of what goes on the the holdups for moving forward licensing for example on on broadcasters uh, you know minds right now because so much was held up and and it puts companies in quite a tenuous position uh it does um i i think we we've all had a lot of time during the pandemic and our you know work from home life cycles for what two and a half years to oh, yeah. to spend a bit of time um you know forecasting what this change would mean and and now that we're sort of in the change and through it um you know the, as you say the payback and 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 whatnot uh i think you know we've had a license extension through to 2026 because of a few reasons the CR RTC's just backlogged right now, uh, but it gives us time. We 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 always forecast, you know, our revenues and uh, look about five years out, which is as realistic as one can usually be, in spite of you know in, in mitigating circumstances. Um, but I think uh, you know the important thing to remember is you know that the money is uh, in in the story you were talking about was extended to people, and uh, you know there is a payback. I, I just. I, I wonder, though, sometimes about the inconsistencies of the messaging mm. from government. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, yep. here we have, you know, businesses or, or you know, looking to be paying back um, with, you know, 5% interest, which isn't terrible over a three-year no, period. No, no. But on the same, on the other hand, you know the whole arrive can scandal, which I've been following. Um, yeah. How many billions of dollars did the oh. government waste on that? And you know, when there's any sort of call for accountability, everybody runs for the exits. You know, so um, it would be nice to see government walk the walk, um, and instead of you know expecting you know every every Canadian to have to you know, do their bidding essentially yes. and, uh, and wear it, wear it on their backs, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, kind of got me going on that one. <laughs> well, and it was almost a pride into people's hands saying, look, and, and almost with the, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. When you know, our, our attitude is, yeah, don't tell me that. I know I got to worry about when you're coming back saying, didn't that help? Well, it did, but it's still tight. Yeah. Anyway, uh, can I get it back now? Or can mm -hmm. you start paying it back? John, um, we've recently at AMI uh, started marketing the company. And this is something that I know from my years being at the company, we've had those times where we've run out campaigns. And you can see us on CBC and numerous other broadcasters that are airing promos that, that kind of push people to our AMI Plus and so on, the things that are going on and our methodology. John, can you talk a little bit about 
which what this does for an organization like like ours because I think about everybody in marketing and what do we put out there? How do we interest people in either our service, a part of our service, um, as well as walking the, the the talk that we do of, about accessibility and promoting the whether it's the Paralympians, whether it's the communities, the various communities we serve. Sure, I'll do my best. It's very busy out there with respect to messaging. Uh, many, many channels, many, many content options. Um, I think for AMI, what we we do it sort of maybe two ways. Uh, we we do what we call our sort of brand marketing, which is I'm I'm sure you guys have seen our new spot that uh, was actually produced in house, um, mm. and uh, it's running in a major campaign on a variety of other Canadian networks, um, and really talking about. Uh, AMI Plus being an inclusive organization that AMI is, you know, and essentially espousing our values um, in in a 30-second spot, really to get people that may not be aware of AMI or what AMI means if they actually come and watch it, you know, they, they might find content that really relates to, you know, what, they, what they're thinking about. Um, so that's one kind. And the other kind that we do is, is more, more specific. So if you're already familiar with AMI and and you can kind of see it now with our the screen roll that you're showing. Um, you know, we're we're advertising various brands and shows and things like that that are that are playing in the channels, uh, AMI Audio, AMI Tele, and and AMI TV. And you know, if you want to go and watch uh, Sightseers or Kelly and Ramia, you know, we give you information about where that's on, what platform you can watch it on, etc. So uh, we are really sort of doubling down on these efforts because if we're creating all this great content we need to let people know about it and we need to let people know where they can find it right otherwise nobody's going to see it right so right. um we are committed to this and uh we're going to really be you know putting a lot of effort into this type of communication with uh, canadians in the coming months and years awesome Ramya, you're that one voice that begins the one promo uh, have, you, have, you, have you noticed it, or oh have you been God, able to tell it yes. to you? Yes, it was chopped from another promo. That's the one you're talking it, about, right? It was. Yeah, I just wanted to be sure it wasn't just me. <laughs> no, it was. It was me. <laughs> it is you, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. I just wanted to be sure. I was like, hey, thanks, man, that thanks for familiar. bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah, I was just returning the out in favor. Remember the books? Remember, remember the audio books <laughs> yeah, discussion earlier? It. You're not going to read that I book. I knew right, you Cal? had something up your sleeve to bring up now. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, guys, one thing I'm kind of curious uh, about, ahead of next year's Juno Awards in Halifax, organizers have actually gone out of way to announce Maestro Fresh West uh, as actually the first newest inductee to the Music Hall of Fame. They're going to be doing this, of course, at the... Um, about at the uh, hall, uh, sorry, the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, they did this at a uh, ballroom, excuse me, in Halifax. And he made a remark to Cardinal Official as he was up there uh, about being there and making it. Take a listen to this clip. He smiled at me. Yeah. He gave me a big hug and said, bruh, uh, finally. I said, they took a long time, but now they're listing me. Because Scarborough Mans don't make records. Nah, we make history. John, bruh. Now, I know you <laughs> understand all about the music in that sense from being a past musician. But what we look at here is the first. And we were talking about this on the show with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and how that is so inclusive. 
And we see this with Juno Awards, which have been around, what did we say, 72, I believe, is when they, they came to be. And th th looking at where we're moving now and history making, a, as, as Maestro is kind of commenting in that comment, with the Cardinal Officiel and the, the response. But I, I just look at it and smile big, John, because we are starting to move in that sense. And when you see this here in Canada um, and the diversity whether it's Indigenous music, whether it's music made by, you know, Black Canadians or whomever, um, and some of the solid stuff we've heard from Joni Mitchell and everybody through the years, uh, there's a big pride thing now. Well, absolutely. And I think it, it, it does go back a long way. You know, Canada's always punched above its weight in terms of music output, even before the CanCon regulations came in in 71, 1971, which led to the, the, the Juno Awards, named after Pierre Junot, the uh, head of the right. CRTC back then. Um, but uh, we were out in uh, Saskatoon uh, on one of our trips to meet our Prodcos uh, with Jim Crisco, uh, the Count, uh, that Jim Crisco. And uh, we stopped related? and... Sylvie Fiquette yeah, was there yeah. too. We went to see, uh, there's a memorial, not a memorial, but a statue there, Johnny Mitchell. And it was, you know, the pride that we felt, I mean, we're obviously boomers, some of us, and maybe Gen Xers, I think I should speak for myself only, but uh, I'm a boomer. Uh, but nonetheless, it just showed how far back you know, Canadian music has gone and mm. how much influence it's had on the world stage and continues to have. And it's really exciting. You know, I, I still love, even in my older years, you know, the new acts that are coming out and, and uh, watching them, you know, go from, you know, Scarborough to the world stage. And, mm. and we all know uh, the big acts that uh, have been recently famous, not the least of which is you know, Drake, uh, Shawn oh, Mendes. Yeah. All of these uh, worldwide musicians now that uh, still remember where they came from. And that's sort of the Canadian thing, isn't it? Yep. Nelly, Nelly Furtado coming back to yeah. host, Ramya. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, definitely the where they come from, the roots, and you hear a lot of this with hip hop in general. But um, it it's rings true, I think, as you said, John, for all Canadians that make it up there. And Kelly, you remember when we saw Nelly in Winnipeg at the uh, mm -hmm. Indigenous Day Live and the young rapper, uh, blind rapper that she invited up on stage? Matthew Monas. That was yes. awesome. Uh, yes. It was, it was truly, a, truly a moment to behold as we sat there in the uh, post-thunderstorm bog that was the Forks. Still remember the donuts you guys lost. Rolling, rolling donuts, man, <laughs> through the rain. But we, we, we made it and we got away from the lightning. John, as usual, thanks a lot for coming on board. You bet. It's always a pleasure. And take care, guys. Thanks, John. John Melville joining us on the program. Uh, please, folks, join us every Thursday for the weekly roundtable right here on Kelly and Ramya. Thank goodness you guys made it inside. But really, the donuts, though. You would have cried wow. over those donuts. Oh, bro. I was. I was in the control room here <laughs> crying over your donuts. <laughs> We're going to take a break and come back, wrap up the show with you. We've got a closing moment that I think describes the two of us here on Kelly and Romeo and give you a preview of Now with Dave Brown, the Friday edition. We'll be back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. You've done it again, Kelly. You've said what absurd, happened? ridiculous things in the last 10 seconds of the break, making us come into the show trying not to laugh. Come on. Don't you have a straight face? <laughs> oh, I'm blind. No. I can't tell, right? No, obviously not. I'm still okay. laughing at Maestro and uh, Maestro and Brock.
You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just, it always yeah. makes me giggle. We gotta have some so options well. to extend these breaks. We really do. It's not enough two minutes sometimes to recover. That's the stuff you want uh, everybody to copy and use uh, for a blooper reel for yeah, like on the 27th no. when we're oh, doing no, no, the no. show. Let's leave some right of this stuff out Great completely. Hall. People okay. don't need to know these sides of us. Boy, Oof. you're really outing everything out today. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. And I tried a different blend of coffee. I don't know what's in there. Um, well, get rid of that we, one. Don't hit that button again. Remind you, exactly. That is if I remember which one it was tomorrow. We remind you to check out the Kelly and Romeo podcast by visiting your favorite podcast platform. We're pretty much everywhere, so pick your choice. Go over there. Search for Kelly and Romeo. Is it you that has vanity card today, Kels? Uh, no, Irene did our Irene. vanity card today, our director. Well then, check out oh, Irene's check. vanity card at the end of the full show podcast. Or not. Ooh, lots of stuff getting out today. All right. Oh, good All right, grief. fine. She, did she say be. that filth in your ear? I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, oh, my did. goodness. She was too scared to tell you. Anyways. Fine. We have our uh, I don't know podcast. How, I don't know how she did the vanity card for that long without cussing. We anyway, also, I'm sorry I digress. We also have <laughs> Now with Dave Brown, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV. They're also available on podcasts, but here's what's coming up on the Friday edition. Kelly? Friday news panel, folks, with Michelle McQuig and Joey DeGutta from The Pulse. Join Dave from, uh, of course, with uh, the notable stories from the past week. The introduction of a poverty reduction plan in Newfoundland is on the table. That's also for, for Labrador as well, of course. The plan uh, includes an expansion of a supplement uh, that low-income families, as well as a basic uh, income for uh, residents 60 to 64 who are receiving social assistance. Of course, that's to close that gap that might be there. The panel will ponder if this approach could be a template on a national scale. Brock Richardson will have sports on the show. Greg David from our uh, AMI marketing department will discuss some of the AMI and other network programming that we can find in observance of Remembrance Day this weekend, of course, on AMI-TV. Absolutely fabulous, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV. Okay, so there's a word, all right? This is a word to describe someone who gives an opinion about something they know nothing about. Does it remind you of, of somebody? Some Sounds people? familiar, vaguely. Oh, maybe. Anyway, the word oh, is an ultra-crepidarian. Ultra-crepidarian is someone who voices thoughts beyond their expertise. Now, obviously, if you have to host a two-hour show every day, Monday to Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on MITV, then you end up in um, slivers of ultra-crepidarianship, don't you think, Kels? Ism? Oh, of course. For sure, sure. <laughs> Yeah, we call it filling airtime, so it yeah. sounds kinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um, oh, Jacob Shemansky has a really good word for this. I can't remember what it is now. But, yeah, same thing. Filling airtime. Nonsense, maybe. That's what I go with sometimes. Extending conversation. Eh, yeah, exactly. Uh, here's what's coming up on tomorrow's show, amongst all the filling airtime. Microsoft is offering protection for politicians against deepfakes. Yeah, right. We'll see. John Bueller has the details on our app update. Ryan Huey on the Chatty Bookshelf has a special edition where he's live on location at the Providence Effendium Rhode Island uh, Library there. Well, it's going to be really great. So fun. We have all that and more on the Friday edition of Kelly and Remia. Join us live at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV or 4 p.m. on AMI-audio. We'll be back then. Have a good one. Hi, my name is Irene Solomon, and I'm the Control Room Director for Kelly and Ramya. 
I wanted to talk about trying to keep a positive attitude in light of frightening and horrible events taking place in the world. I do try to keep up with current events. Lately, however, with all the wars going on in the world and the crazy politics going on in the United States, it seems like the whole world has gone mad. Many people say that they don't keep up with the news. They have enough of their own problems to deal with. This is the crux of the problem. Everybody has stuff to deal with. To ignore what is taking place on the planet is like an ostrich poking its head in the sand. I pay attention to the news, despite the fact that it makes me feel very sad. How do you make sure that you nourish your soul and keep a positive attitude? Try to embrace the attitude of gratitude. Say thanks for small things that make you happy. Pay it forward. Helping others is a great way to feel good. Try to get out in nature. Breathe fresh air. Get out of confined spaces. Life is yin and yang. Things will get better despite how bad things appear right now. You may worry, but keep trying to find happiness. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.